You are listening to the Indiana Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, Aaron Lottrell, Jason Brown, and Kendra Hurt. Join us for a real take on real estate, community events, and the Hoosier Lifestyle. Hey, everybody. Jason Brown. Episode five, first and foremost, Merry Christmas. Hope everybody had a nice Christmas. As usual, here with my co-host, Kendra Hurt, Aaron Luttrell. Say hi, guys. How's it going? Hello. How's everybody's holiday? It's a good time. Everybody's off doing some family things. It's great. Nobody killed anyone. It's always a good sign. It's always a good start, isn't it? Everybody get something nice, something they want. Absolutely. I'm pretty stoked about everything I got. I, I, I always know exactly what I'm getting because, you know, people call me and say, hey, what color, what size? And then I open it and it's exactly what I described. So, you know, my 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 mother's side of my family and I um, changed a tradition this year. We came up with this. We were going to do a dirty Santa kind of thing as opposed to the name drawing. Um, I found it to be personally a horrible idea because. You you take it, it was divided guys and girls guys buy a guy gift girls buy a girl gift to me that's a very corporate thing obviously we did this in the company that's a very company corporate thing you take four or five six eight different guys that have very very different taste that's very tough to do so what we ended up doing is after as a family this discussion was made the guys got back together and we were like this is stupid we can't do this <laughs> so we just traded hey I got you I got you I got you and and we just kind of traded off well it got down to I actually had my brother and, and he had me. And so he calls and he's like, Hey, what can I get you within this price range? And I was like, look, I have an idea. You go out and you buy for yourself, whatever you want. I will buy for myself, whatever we want. We will just wrap it and set it there and we'll just play it as though, wow, how did you know exactly what I wanted? Thanks. So, Genius uh, idea. Yeah. I'm going to steal that for next year. Yeah, we're, I, I, we are now officially back to name drawing and doing it the way it should have been done because this was horrific. What do you do when your your you know eighty four year old grandmother gets you know an iTunes card? Are you serious? <laughs> what is she gonna do with that? Yeah, it ends up being all gift cards anyway. Especially. I know, and because you don't know what to buy everybody. Guys, we're in sales. We're we're entrepreneurial spirits here. You buy it off a of grandma at a discounted rate, and you make your money back. <laughs> Boom! There you go. All right. Well, because we are obviously at the beginning of our new year. What do you say we do a little bit of uh, talking about the new year? Sounds good. Sounds good. 2018. 2018. Quickly, Aaron, give us a little bit of information. I know you stay up on uh, market trends, things like that. What any, any information as to what the forecast for 2018 is? Going up, going down, things staying about how it's been? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, actually a pretty good forecast for 2018. Um, I actually did a presentation on this at our uh, company sales meeting a, a week or two ago. Um, I've listened to a bunch of different economists. There's Lawrence Yoon. He's the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. There's uh, Brian Buffini, one of the industry thought leaders. He has a big coaching company out in California. Um, everybody's pretty much saying the same thing. Um, and I'm going to kind of break it down into a couple different aspects of what they're talking about. Uh, the first thing that everybody's talking about is number of home sales. Obviously, 2016 to 2017, we kind of saw a little bit of a plateau on the market. Things kind of evened out. Even in our, our local area, we're kind of in line with what we did last year. Mm-hmm. That was what the projections were. It's kind of how it looked this year. So um, everybody's like, well, what's going to happen going forward? 
Uh, everybody's projecting an increase in home sales, about three and a half, four percent over this year. Um, so we should see more homes selling in the next year, which is always a good thing to see. Um, but obviously, uh, inventory shortage, we've been talking about it for a while. There's just not a whole lot of houses on the market going to continue to happen. Still super positive for sellers then. Still great for sellers. And on the flip, for buyers, it's still going to be good because even though they're projecting mortgage interest rates could rise, they're going to still be phenomenal rates. They're talking we might be in the four and a half, four point seven five by the end of the year, uh, I mean, which is still about 50% of the historical average. So... I mean, it's going to be a good time to buy even. So even though it's a good seller's market, we're going to see sellers still getting kind of what they're asking for for their homes or real close to it. Buyers are still going to be able to borrow it at good prices. I think the big thing that that everyone needs to know is, you know, I, I know after the, the whole real estate bubble burst, a lot of people are talking about, oh, well, you know, we're climbing, we're climbing, we're climbing, and it's going to happen again. We're not actually growing we're recovering market right. share yeah that's a, that's a good point we're at like 48 percent up above 2011 prices on housing but the mass number of that or the mass portion of that is actually just a market recapture not an actual boom in real estate so we're just getting back to where it should have been correct so that's that's good to see and then the other point that that i think still supports what we're talking about that in fact this is a recapture uh new home starts that's probably still an area where we are a little lower yeah. than we probably should be there's probably not enough new construction really to to, to meet the demand yeah they're projecting we're going to go up to about 950,000 new home starts nationally next year, which sounds like a ton. Um, but when you couple that with the fact that we need 1.2 million just to keep up with population growth demand, it's, it's still a bit of a deficit. So we are increasing the new home starts, which is always a, a positive thing. It, it, really affects all of the housing market, not just new home sales, because there's people who are vacating current homes to go into these new properties, which allows other people to buy and get into the housing market. So it's a good thing to see. Um, but we're still going to be short, which is but why we're seeing the, the inventory shortage. Also, are they, are they new homes that aren't already predetermined who's going to go into them. I mean, are they all 350 to 450,000 depending on what market you're in because we have that baby boomers moving up to right. where they're backing off the price of their homes. So, you know. Absolutely. And and I think a lot of of what we're going to see moving forward is that uh, I know at least in our market a lot of the new construction is still what I'm going to consider pre-sold or custom stuff. Um there are some obviously market or spec homes on the market, uh, but but not near as many as there have been in, in you know the the pre bubble burst. Yeah. It, that that's kind of the, one of the aspects I want to talk about specifically is the fact that regulations on development and building on spec has been a little bit, bit tighter, and they're projecting it's going to loosen up, and there's going to be some more favorable options available for developers to try to get more of that spec housing started. So we do see more across the spectrum, like Kendra's saying, instead of just the higher middle high class end. to high end housing starts that we've been seeing. Well, and I think a lot of people don't realize the fact that when a, when a developer comes in and does a, a new subdivision or a new development, it's a whole lot more than, Hey, I need to subdivide these lots and start building houses. I mean, you've got infrastructure, you've got utilities, you've got streets, you've got sidewalks, you've got sewers, you've got a massive amount of infrastructure. Not to mention some places are putting in like community amenities like clubhouses and swimming pools, well, tennis courts. And Aaron and I sit together. Dog parks. 
dog park. Dog oh, parks are huge. Right. Aaron and I sit together on a board, uh, a municipal board. We sit together on the Board of Zoning Appeals, uh, and we see new plats for new developments coming in. There's two new developments right here in our market, both multi-million dollar expansions as far as just the infrastructure before the first house is ever built. So there is definitely a move uh, on on its way up in that market, I would say. Absolutely. Well, talking about the fact that we're moving into 2018, talking about the fact that it's going to be you know, a pro-seller's market, but still great opportunities for buyers, I think this episode, maybe what we should do is we should really kind of dig into what does the new year, if 2018 is your year to buy or sell, what are some things you need to do to kind of get ready for that? Absolutely. But before we do that, what do we do every week? Crazy call of the week. Crazy call of the week. My, my phone's been been pretty pleasant the last week. I've, I've got some, you know, hey, thanks for the Christmas cards. Hey, hope you had a great holiday. So I'm, I'm running light on a crazy call this week. Kendra, what about you? Any crazy calls for you? I always have crazy calls, but <laughs> some of them we can't talk about. <laughs> so Get that explicit rating, unfortunately. No, no. Well, I'll tell you what. I actually had one. I won't necessarily call it crazy, and I'm sure you've both had this call before, but I think it's it's probably a topic, especially if we're talking about, as we go into the new year, people that might be looking to buy, or in this case, more specifically, sell. I got a call from one of my listings. Not very happy. Uh, Uh-oh. A little agitated at the time I answered the phone. Uh, their home actually had already been sold. They, 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 someone had already put it under contract. The property was pending. They'd made their offer the night before. Okay. They wanted to come back the next morning and see it in the daytime, even though that we had already kind of you know closed all the loops and negotiated the transaction. They just wanted to come back the next morning. Sellers were more than happy. They do have dogs, so they had to leave the house. They get home and call me irate that the front door is standing wide open. Go up, the, the little shackle at the bottom of the box is not in the key box, and the key is not there. And I, I again, to avoid the explicit rating that the podcast would end up with, I won't tell you verbatim what the phone conversation was, but he wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> His biggest concern was the fact that he also has two cats that rarely ever show themselves. So I I said, look, before we do anything else, before we freak out anymore, let me call the other agent. Let me find out what happened, what's going on. You go find the cats. Make sure the cats are in the house. If the cats aren't in the house, that's obviously a whole new problem. I call the other agent. (coughs) Excuse me. She was mortified. Um, Instantly broke down into tears. Good girl. She's actually a showing assistant for another agent Mm -hmm. here in town. Um, it, it, I won't say new, but newer, um, it, it was a mistake and she was very, very, very heartbroken over it. Um, she won't and, be, she won't be making that mistake again. It's a mistake no. you make once. Yeah. And uh, long story try, short, try leaving the door open of a state trooper. That yeah, was me. That was you. Yeah. How'd that call go? <laughs> that, that gets us the explicit <laughs> rating. Funny, too, what's it? funny was <laughs> I knew the seller was the state trooper. And um, he specializes in interrogation. And uh, wow. I was showing his house, and we just got talking when we were leaving the house. And I just inadvertently just put the key back in the shackle and walked away. So, so you left it unlocked? I thought I had locked it, and I even checked to make sure that I locked it. But I guess there was he, – he admitted later that there was trouble with that particular key and, and that – 
Well, in this particular before. case, unlocked would have been a pleasant thing to come home to. The front door is standing wide open. To make matters worse, he has a security system, and therefore he can tell when the last time the sensors were in fact intact, and he knows that it had been open for a little over 31 minutes. Oh, So he did have a valid point. Obviously, had he not come home, had they decided to spend the day out doing whatever, the, the door stays open all day. I, I, I did the only thing I think I could do. Um, I obviously have a responsibility to make sure that my seller is feels satisfied or redeemed in some way. So I decided to just give him an hour to cool down. Um, I just kind of ceased all communication. I let him have an hour to just settle down. I told him I'd get back with him. An hour later, I reached back out via text rather than to call and get him wound up again. And I said, look, I want you to understand I work for you. I'll do anything you want to do. You want me to report her to her supervisor? I will. You want me to report it to the, to the managing broker of that company? I will. You want me to report it to the board of realtors? I will. But I want to point out the fact that we've got a few few things we should look at. A, nothing was missing, including the cats. B, it was a mistake. The young lady was very upset. She was crying virtually to the point of hyperventilating. Um, it, it was a simple mistake. And guess what, guys? Realtors are people too. Mm-hmm. They make mistakes. Absolutely. This is the kind of mistake you'll make one time in a career. Yep. Yep. You leave a door unlocked or you leave a door open, you will suddenly have like that uncontrollable OCD about it from oh. that point forward. I know the first time I did it to this day, I will get in a car and I will look back at that door and I'll be like, Gotta know, check it. I know I locked it, but you know what? Before I drive off, yeah. and I will get back out and I will check it. I, I've taken it a step further. I've actually been like been on the phone, checked it as I drive away, still on the phone. I think, oh man, did I? Did I? And and I'll turn around and I will go back to the house and I will double check it just to be sure. Yeah. Well, I have I have after the first time I did it, or the first time I forgot to put a key back. Um, I, I tried to put myself through a couple of steps to, to stop this from happening again. First thing I do is the key always goes in my right pocket. Yep. The shackle that comes out of the bottom of the key box, it goes in my driver's seat of my vehicle. Hmm. If I do that, there's no chance. That, that triggers my mind. Go get the key. Check the door. Lock the door. Key in the shackle. It's a smart move. Bottom of the box. Mm-hmm. So... Um, then what happens is I drive away and I'm like, what about the back door? We walked out the back door. Did <laughs> right. I lock the back and, door? And I have yeah. to make a point about this. This is what's funny. I, well, funny, not ha ha, but funny as an odd. How many sellers leave other doors unlocked when they're, when they're, they know their showings. In if their you house? would, if you would lock the door from my garage to my home, which I use you a garage door in. opener and come in, you have locked me no. out of my home. Right. right. <laughs> but it, it is shocking how many patio doors are open, how many French doors are open. And um, I never lock a garage door because I get that, that most people enter through their attached garage. But it's amazing how many sellers leave doors unlocked. So if if you don't want that <laughs> locked, I'm, I'm locking it when I leave because oh, yeah. I'm not oh, going to yeah. be the one. That's blame for that. And I and I try to tell people whenever we're going through the house, before you open any door to the exterior of the home, let check me check it, it first. Is because it I want to make unlocked? sure that I leave it exactly as I found it. If it was locked when we got here, I want it locked when I leave. If it right. is unlocked, I'm, I'm a little weird about leaving doors unlocked, but if it's unlocked and I get there, I don't touch it. I, I don't even go out lock door. If that's the kid's way in, I don't want right. to be the one to lock the kid out. And I'm back over here at 3 o'clock today trying to let somebody in after school. Exactly. And I think over and above just doors unlocked and lights on, it's happened to me. 
walking through a house, you're talking, you're looking at things, turn a corner, your, your elbow brushes. Uh, it was a sofa table that had just a small picture frame on it. Boom, hits the floor, breaks the glass. It, it, it's, it wasn't negligence on my part. I wasn't being negligent, negligent. I wasn't being careless. It was simply, it was a picture frame on a table that got knocked off. But I did the right thing. I picked up the phone. I called the agent and said, here's what's happened. I'm happy to replace it. You tell me what I need to do. She said, let me call the seller. They called back and said, hey, it's no big deal. Accidents happen. I think the thing that I want to point out with this is if you are selling your house in the coming year as a seller, understand there's a lot of people coming and going. Things are going to happen. And and there's a difference between someone coming in your house and being careless and an accident. Absolutely. I don't take drinks in a house. I, you know, I'm, I, we, we've talked about this, um, kind of off recording. I'm really weird about not letting people use the restroom in a home that I'm showing. I just, to me, you flush that toilet and it's one of those that runs all day and God forbid it overflows and floods the house. I I don't need that claim on my, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've just started preparing my sellers. This is something we kind of talk about in our first um, appointment that I I meet with them when they're preparing to sell their home is, you know, if you leave on, we ask most of our sellers if they're home prior to the showing, leave the lights on or whatever. Inadvertently, there's always a light left on that's maybe in an obscure room in a basement or something like that. And don't be offended. Don't be upset. Um, know that we are trying to show your home and many times we're talking to clients and maybe they will run back and just look at something so they have one more look uh, before they leave and a light may get you know left on or anything. But always um, let us know if something is missing but also don't leave expensive electronics out. Don't leave wedding rings out in your bathroom. Don't leave expensive stuff out for it to be taken away. <laughs> right. You set that expectation on the front end so they yeah. know that these things can happen. Right. I mean, I'm not, no one should ever steal anything from your home, whether you're selling it or not. I'm, But on the flip side, don't make that temptation so large that someone can't avoid that happening. Well, and I, and I think to, to still carry this same topic over to buyers a little bit too, buyers need to realize you are a guest in someone's home. Yes, you are here to look at it. Yes, you're expected to look into the closet. You know, the size of that master closet may be a huge portion of your decision to buy it. The nightstand drawer, not so much. (laughs) It's it's not included. Um, You want to look at the cabinet space, that's fine. You can open the kitchen cabinets, but don't start saying, oh, look, they eat this, or oh, hey, check this out. Um, and the other big one is is kids. I, I know. I, I had two. They're grown now, but I've had two small kids, and I know kids can be a handful, and you're trying to look at a house, and you're, you're getting ready to make life's largest investment, but at the same point in time, kids will be kids. I've had kids go in and try to climb on a bed or jump on a bed, um, you know, want to turn on a TV, see toys, and think, oh, hey, I'm going to play with the toys. They're kids buyer parents need to understand that you are still a guest in someone's home and, and, and there is a level of okay and not okay. Yeah. Right? And if the number of adults out num- don't outnumber the number of kids, that might be a, a situation where the buyer needs to get a babysitter or, yeah. I mean, just I, respect someone else's spaces. A four and a five year old don't need to have an opinion about what house you're going to buy. Right. I'm just going to be honest about that. Absolutely. And, and, and I've, I've even done where I, I take the parents in shifts. Yes. So mom will sit I've in the sat car. I've in cars. Yeah. Mom will sit in the car. She'll, and dad will go in and look through the house and then, and then vice versa. Yeah. Yep. I've done that too. A lot of good topics. I think. I've I pulled think... into people's garages with kids sleeping just 
because that could be an important thing to a sure. woman that has two small kids you know that it does have an attached garage and i'll go in and open it one to make sure the vehicle fit in there because there are some garages that vehicles don't fit in so just you, had that yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know how many deals i've had come you know kind of fall apart because the you know ford f-150 doesn't fit in the garage yeah. you know so but, but anyway the oversized navigator yeah fit the, in some the... of the suvs you can't get two suvs even the small mid-sized suvs into a two-car garage all in all i think a good topic i think a. uh while not necessarily what I would consider a crazy call, a call that came in that that I think brings to the table a conversation that probably needs to be had. Yeah. All right. Aaron, buying and selling. What do you want to do first, buyers or sellers? Let's talk about buyers first. Right. We, we've been hitting the sellers pretty hard here lately because of the limited inventory. I think, I think we should prep some buyers on how they can make themselves look better because it's limited inventory and what they can do to prepare for buying a home in 2018. So if 2018's your year to buy... We can talk about it from all different aspects. We can talk about it from inventory. We can talk about it from budgeting. We can talk about it from financial. Let it rip. Why don't we talk to finances? Jason, you, you've been in uh, the mortgage industry previously to um, being a realtor, so you've obviously got a solid, solid background in the financial side of purchasing a home. I would say that this time of year is probably the hottest season for first-time home buyers, the the people that don't have a home to sell, this is the first one. Maybe they've been saving a little bit, but but generally speaking, for the average American family, not all, that's a whole different conversation, but the average American family, husband, wife, couple of kids, there's tax, re- there, there's, there's tax refunds. All right. Tax refund season is a great time for first-time home buyers because it gives them a added cash infusion into their financial picture that they can use either for a down payment, they can use it for moving expense, they can use it for decorating expense, they can use it for any piece to the puzzle. Now, I want to I want to kind of touch on something you said right there real quick. Sure. The cash infusion that you can use for a down payment. The good news is because it is a tax refund, that is a cash infusion that's a readily immediately available cash infusion to use for a down payment because a lot of other times throughout the year you may come into large sums of money and still have to wait a couple months after getting that money and then try to explain where it came from before you can utilize it the biggest thing that you're going to see with a tax refund or with a, a christmas bonus or whatever the case may be it is a verifiable source that it came from when when the funds are verifiable when it is a verifiable earning, when it is a verifiable refund of, because I mean, let's be honest, that's what a tax refund is. That is a culmination of earnings that you set aside to pay taxes with. The entire bill didn't take what you had set aside and therefore what the difference is, is refunded to you. This is your earned money and therefore there is no requirement to season from a banking perspective that money. It, 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 it's, it's usable day one. Gifts from family members, gifts from family members can be tricky, um, depending upon loan program and without going way, way deep into all the different loan programs out there. Gifts on an FHA loan, let's say, the three and a half percent gift that, that you may get as long as the donor, the gifter, um, signs a gift letter stating that in fact it is a gift and there's no expectation of repayment, um, you can use it. When you're talking on a conventional loan, a gift can't be a portion of the down payment 
unless the borrower has 5% of their own assets. So let's say you're doing a 10% down and mom and dad say, hey, we're going to give you 10%, $200,000 house, we're going to give you $20,000 to put down on this house. You're not going to be able to go conventional on that. What you're going to have to do is take that $20,000 gift, you're going to have to put it in your bank account, it's going to have to season there for a period of 60 days to so that it becomes your money. That's right. kind of the banking standard for seasoned money to be considered yours is two months. Um, once it has seasoned to that period, then you can use it. If you have 5% of your own money, even if you have no anticipation or expectation of using it, let's say you've got a 401k that's got $50,000 in it that you can take money out of, and mom and dad give you $20,000 to put down on the house, you can use it day one, because with the 401k money, you have the 5%. You have the minimum requirement that you need to meet the program guideline. Whether you choose to use that money or not is immaterial. You do have it. It's good to know. That's one of those things that a lot of people who've been doing this even a decent amount of time may not know that that's a fact that you can utilize that money. It doesn't matter the fact that the money that you're using comes from another source if you have something to cover it already in the bank. I'll tell you another big place tax refunds come into place. Tax refunds are really good because there's still a lot of programs out there that are low to no down payment programs where tax refunds sometimes can really come into play and can really, really make the difference of qualifying and not qualifying is not on the amount of money you're using to put down on the house or to pay your closing cost or whatever the case may be, but on the reduction of your current debt load. Right. You get a $10,000 tax refund. You've got a uh, $3,000 balance on a car that's got a $350 a month payment. You've got a $5,000 student loan that's got a $100 a month payment. And you've got another couple grand on credit cards that are $100 a month. I can make a $650 swing or $550 swing in your monthly expenses by taking that $10,000 and applying it against your debt. Um, that's where you get into debt ratio. Um Let's keep it simple. In general terms, 36% of your gross monthly income, pre-tax, whatever you and your spouse or all of your household, whoever's on the loan, whatever that gross income before tax is, no more than, in theory, 36% of that should be allocated for your total debt load. That's your car payments, your student loans, your credit cards. This is true debt. This is not your cell phone bill. This is not your car insurance. This is not your utility bills. This is true credit reporting debt, including the new house payment. Now, 36 is a loose number. Um, FHA products will let you go 38, 40, 45 with exceptional credit and, and, and extenuating circumstances. Um, conventional programs will let you go a little higher. FHA has what they call a housing DTI. Uh, I believe it's 29% right now where they say no more than 29% of your gross monthly income can be allocated for just your house payment. I will tell you in my experience, somebody that doesn't have a lot of debt or has maybe no debt, um, if they want to go at 34-35% and it's 34-35% for the house payment, but that's the only debt they have, and other than that, they've got good credit, they meet the other requirements you're probably getting through with that. Yeah, the other thing I do want to talk about is that debt reduction with the DTI, consumer-facing debt. 
let's let's face it, thirty seven percent. I think is a, st- a statistic I read recently. Thirty seven percent of all Americans go into credit card debt just to pay for Christmas. So there's probably a lot of people out there right now who have some additional debt that they may not have had in October and November. That that tax refund is definitely going to help wipe that out on the front end, so they can free up some cash in some other ways to make that happen. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, I I think the other big thing that that home buyers looking to buy in 2018 probably want to do I, we've said it before on this on this program we're going to say it again probably the first and most important thing you need to do speak with your real estate professional and let them advise you and and refer you to a a trusted financial person somebody who they know and trust that that says hey, I've closed a lot of business with this guy or gal, and they are more than capable of reviewing your situation and setting a proper expectation up front. Budgeting, get their information and their insight as to how that refund, that anticipated cash infusion is best used. It may be best used against debt. It may be best used against uh, down payment. Um, It could make the difference of if you already have some money, it might make the difference of, okay, we were looking at a three and a half percent FHA program before this tax refund. Now we can look at a five percent conventional program and the PMI cost on that five percent conventional is this much better it's better used here as opposed to debt reduction so i think involving the person that's going to be handling that is probably paramount at this point as well 100 percent, 100 percent. yep agree okay so we got the buyers covered obviously with the the new year and some different budgeting ideas and stuff that they can do with that but what about sellers what should sellers be thinking about uh, I know statistically, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but on January 1st, there's a good portion of people who own it's their like homes who think, hmm, maybe, this, maybe this is the year. Yeah, I think it's, 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 high. it's high. It's like 80% of people consider selling their house after they take their Christmas decorations down. I do it before I take them down. I look at them, I go, maybe I can just sell it right now. Yeah. I don't have to box these things up and haul them, schlep them up to the attic. Kendra, you're a very active agent. You do a lot of a lot of property listing. Um, you're gonna your your market is what I'm gonna call the uh, upper middle uh, to low upper end of clientele. Um, yeah. Ha- have you been on some appointments lately? Have you yes. talked to some people that are yes. getting ready to sell? I have. What I are have. the things that you're identifying in these folks' homes that they need to do to get their home ready the, to the, sell? The, the two things that are three things that I, I try to convey to all my sellers, especially in going into a seller's market like we have, is you've got to look the best you can. Um, so the big things for me are, uh, no wallpaper, hire someone professionally to paint your house, the interior of your house. Um, bad paint jobs are paint jobs that have to be redone by a buyer Mm -hmm. and get rid of the carpet. Um, whether that's replace it with new and I'm talking low to mid grade, just run to Lowe's Home Depot, replace that carpet it gets rid of odor in your house. It gets rid of just stains and it just makes it, um, when the buyer comes in your home, it just makes it give a fresh, clean look. So those are the, my major things. Um, I know a lot of people want to talk kitchens and bathrooms and remodels and things there. Again, a fresh coat of paint, a good cleaning and good deep cleaning, um, can always go really, really far. I think that's a big thing that people often overlook. They'll go and spend big dollars on important things like, 
doing the whole house paint and spending the money on getting the carpet and then you go to show the house it's and still a it's style. filthy. It's still dirty. <laughs> it doesn't matter how yeah. good you've maintained a and home I cannot if it's filthy. I cannot stress enough about the, the paint job. Again, if you've got it splattered and smeared on the ceiling, door frames, baseboards and all that, you might as well just, I mean, you wasted your time. You Absolutely. Just come, you've wasted, you one, you've wasted your time, you've wasted my time, and you've wasted the buyer's time to come in here and look at all the work that they now have to redo. Because now they, now instead of just painting a wall, they have to paint the ceiling, they have to paint the door frame, and they have to... the trim. Yes, yeah. everything. And, and I think moreover than that, we're at a market where the unfinished ceiling is is a fairly common thing. And when I say yeah. unfinished, let me let me clarify for someone that's maybe not got the same thing in their market by unfinished i mean a non-painted surface this is either a stomped ceiling that's been stomped with drywall mud or the popcorn ceiling and once you get what you paint your walls a beautiful nice dark dark deep rich gray color and it hits that white stomped ceiling you're done you you will never in a million years Match blend it. it. Yeah. You will have to paint the entire ceiling. Yeah. The problem is, is if you've done this in the living room, that means you paint the entire living room ceiling. You paint all down the way the, down, down the, the hallway. hallway. You paint down the foyer. You paint everywhere that that ceiling touches in a continuous run. If you don't have a door break, it's going to look painted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I and I think that people try to save money. And, and do things in their home themselves. And that's great and wonderful. And I'm all for that. I would never tell someone, don't do something yourself. But if you want to sell the home, you made a big point. In this market, you need to put your best foot forward. You, you want top dollar. Mm-hmm. You're going to try to get top dollar because we're in a market that allows you as a seller to command top dollar. Then spend a little bit of money. Right. Bring a professional painting crew in because not only are they going to fix the paint, they're going to fix it's the patch, the patch holes. the holes in the wall. And maybe you tried to patch a hole, but guess what? When you paint it across the room, I look at real estate every day of the week. I can see the hole that you patched because you're not a professional drywaller. Right. Yeah. And not only that, it doesn't matter that we are in a market that has limited inventory. Buyers are still pickier than they've ever been exactly if it's not perfect or it's not exactly what they want it doesn't matter that there's very limited choices out there they're still moving on until they can find yeah and i think a seller has to appreciate the fact that i mean and and i'm thinking of two specifics here just because of recent listing appointments i've been on i mean we're talking a two hundred thousand dollar range and upper three hundred four hundred thousand dollar range so i mean i'm telling both buyer i mean both seller to do the exact same thing you know, so it's not that it's we're not telling our yeah. our hundred and twenty four thousand yeah, dollar buyers not to, to do, do anything different, different that we're telling our five hundred thousand right. dollar buyers and, our and, to do, and right? a lot of people, especially sellers, have this misconception that you need to spend all this money in the kitchen and bathroom, and it's not necessarily where where your dollars are best spent because I can't get you the twenty five thousand dollars you just put into the master bedroom back in the time that, that the property is going to be listed. Well, so it, it, with the bedroom or with the bathrooms in the kitchen, the big misconception is you have to do a complete overhaul. There's no. so many small no. things that you can do to right. update the look of a kitchen so in to this, save money to still sell it. Yeah. So this particular seller, uh, what I asked them to do was take the brass uh, fake frosted door off the shower because okay. the shower was already tiled. Sure. I mean, it's a nice size bathroom. 
let's get a new vanity in there and that changes your faucets and let's Six, get a new dollars yeah then let's put a new mirror up because we've got the mirror from 1993 the plate glass mirror yeah and so let's just get a new bear up and then you've got one fixture to replace we're maybe talking a thousand dollars here maybe thousand dollars you can get back i can get back a thousand dollars twenty five thousand dollars worth of new kitchen cabinets and granite countertops and tile backsplashes and new appliances that you're going to leave behind i'll be ecstatic to get you seven back yeah right if you spend three thousand dollars maybe in this particular house they could probably even eke it up to five thousand dollars on painting a new carpet i can get that back because right. that's that's something a buyer's not going to have to come in and do right away, especially to complement your original hardwood floors, yeah. and all these other things. Well, not Look. to mention the fact that a couple hundred dollars worth of work is a couple thousand dollars off the price in a buyer's mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, we're, we're working with buyers today, and and maybe not at the four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar price range. And and I'm not saying that that they're oh. not capable, but the millennial generation is buying. They are a a different breed. Of buyers. Easy now. I know, I know, I know. They are a different breed of buyers. Exactly. And and their time is spent doing other things. What their time is not generally spent doing is saying, hey, I'm going to go home to my half-finished house that I've got 14 projects started on. You know what they're going to do? They're going to sell it. They're not going to finish it. They're going to sell it and they're going to get their teeth kicked down their throat. You want to attract that buyer, you make it to where they can move in and move on. Their life continues just as it was the day before they moved. They've got about a 48-hour period of disruption to get moved and get settled in the new house and boom. They're right back at it. And, and what I sellers corrected. have... corrected. He nailed that. Yeah. And <laughs> as sellers need to start to realize, and again, they don't have to put... Uh, this is the conversation I had the other day. So this couple did an extensive expansion and remodel of their house in 1993. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, but they picked out things that were going to last 30 years. And they picked out things that they loved. Okay? And probably look as good today as it did they 30 do. years ago. It, they do. I mean, carpet... I mean, wall-to-wall carpet in a 2,500-square-foot addition that still looks brand new, but it's Kelly Green. Yeah. It's, I I can't do anything with that right now. So, again, buyers now turn over things a whole lot more quickly. So, to go in and buy a lower grade of carpet, but that has a fresh look and a little bit more on today's trend Again, I can get you your money back. That buyer isn't going to keep that carpet more than five years. So right. who cares if it if it's ruined in five years? But but that's just the mentality of the two different types of buyers and sellers that we have. Is some people want it to last forever. Buyers today really could care less if it lasts forever. Well, the other thing is is that thirty years ago the trends didn't move and change as much as they do now. Right. Through these cable reality shows, through the internet, through all of the online shopping experiences that you can partake in today, the trends spread so much faster. My home was built in 2007. Here we are, the end of 2017, the start of 2018, and I, in the last 12 months, did a $21,000 renovation to my own home. Where did I spend $21,000 in a 10-year-old home? I didn't put a roof on it. Mm -hmm. It's an all-brick home. I didn't do anything to the outside. I took 
the Florida look tile that you used to walk into the front door and down a hallway. I took that out and replaced that with solid hardwoods. I changed all of the brass fixtures in the house to the rubbed oiled bronze. And when I say fixtures, that's door hinges, that's doorknobs. If you've never undergone that process, that is a lengthy process yeah. Yeah. to change every doorknob and every door hinge. Yep. I changed all the kitchen cabinet hardware. My wife would love for me to go ahead and change out the kitchen cabinets. Um, if we're going to stay in the home, we probably will because homes do date themselves so much faster in this market than they did 30 years ago. And, and the, the cool thing is it's the distribution of the information that makes it go faster. Absolutely. You get one person like Chip and Joanna Gaines. They have they have their personal style that they did, that they went on Fixer Upper and they made this great show that now Farmhouse Chic is the thing that everybody wants. And she's shutting down the TV show. And in 12 months, everybody over the last four years that did Farmhouse Chic, in 12 months, it will start to become passe. Yeah, exactly. The the barn doors are gonna come down. Mm-hmm. The the open floating shelf, you know, the rough cut the wood, industrial the shelf. industrial look. That is all gonna start to go away, and whatever the next trend on the horizon is, is gonna start to permeate. Just go look at new housing starts. We we talked about that early. You know, it's the number more of this minimalist kind of. It is. Yeah. It's it's there is still color, but it's not loud it's not flashy it's, it's muted it's natural colors. muted natural colors yeah. so and another big thing that i always try to point out to my sellers and again sometimes we use spaces in our homes that are unique to our family and how we use them and i think defining those spaces like if you have a large entryway you know uh, maybe it's time to move a chair away from you know having three sectionals in a living room because you have 15 kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, dispersing some of that furniture, you know, and, and making the spaces look quaint, but defined. Um, Jason, I we all that. know how much you love Kirkland's. You can go and find some stuff to really. Well, but my thing is space. instead of buying more, I'm, I'm trying to get you to take things out and just define the space. I, you know, that, that's where I was going to go. You know, I think that this is kind of a timeless, I'm going to sell my house thing. The number one thing I tell clients is declutter, depersonalize. Open up the space. Your goal as a seller is to let a buyer visualize them, their lifestyle, their things, and their family in your home. So you have to start to Open that space up. Maybe you've got a great big living room, but it doesn't feel so big when you've got an 18-person sectional, uh, not the new hang-on-the-wall 75-inch TV, but the old-school big box, big screen, stuck in the middle of the big entertainment center that was built to go around it, and all of a sudden you've given up 250 square foot of, of a great big great room with your things. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, it's two birds with one stone here. You're planning on moving, right? Let's get a head start on the yep. packing and go ahead and put some of that stuff away. Yeah. Yep. The last thing I think that sellers probably need to have a little intel on is timing. Yes. You know, I mean, as we're coming into a new year, there's this horrible, horrible, horrible misconception. You can't sell a house in the winter. A, that's garbage. Right. I sell plenty of houses in the winter. I've been told you can't sell houses near the holiday. I pinned it a home four days before Christmas. It absolutely positively can be done. Plus the whole myth of you got to wait till springtime. Oh, everybody thinks that. So what you're wanting to do is wait until you have 
more competition Maximum on the market. Maximum competition. Yeah. Yeah. People people talk to me about that all the time. I've, I've got several homes right now that they're like, oh, I want to wait till the springtime. I'm like, that's not the best idea. You're going to be going in when you have plenty of buyers looking, yes, but you're also going to have a lot of sellers who at the same time are like, I want to put my home on the market. And oh, okay, Yeah, so sp- and if a buyer is looking in the winter, are they serious. are a real buyer. They they do. I mean, they're not going to waste your time. I so think the, I think the definition of springtime is different for everyone. Some people say May. Some people say, I'm going to be honest. March. I think March is really and truly the start of springtime. If your home is on the market January 1st, you're 90 days in at springtime. Chances are, first and foremost, your house, if priced properly and prepared to sell, probably won't be there in the springtime. Right. But if it is, fine. 90 days is not a bad marketing time, guys. I mean, that is not, that is not, oh, my house didn't sell. Not every house on the market sells in seven hours or seven days or seven weeks. It's 90 days is not a horrific marketing time. It's truly not. Yeah. People people see these low marketing times that are the average numbers that people throw out and, and they, they hang their hat on that. I've actually had a client before, but my house has been on the market two weeks. What am I going to do? You're gonna, calm down. Is yeah, what you're, you're going to calm do. down and let <laughs> me continue it's, to do my this job. This is completely normal. <laughs> this is n- not everybody's house sells in four hours. Not everybody's house is going to do that. You just need. But to you let do, us do increase your chances if you listen to us and do the appropriate things to get the house sold. Now there are anomalies. We can't always figure out why a house does or doesn't sell. But again, you're increasing your chances if you do the things that we've asked I've you to do. I've put homes on the market and I've thought, boy, I'd love if I could get this sold inside of 180 days and 12 hours later it's gone. And I've put homes on the market that I was like, this thing won't see dinner. And two weeks later, I'm scratching my head going, "What? what? I, where did I miss the mark? What did I do wrong? Did I, I start second guessing myself. Did I overprice the house? Did, oh, yeah. did I not tell them to do enough? What, what, what? what aren't people gravitating to yeah it, it's 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 a moving target at all times pricing a home is an art not a science exactly that's right i think we've pretty well covered the topic of if you want to buy or sell in 2018 okay. is there anything you think we've left out on that no go do it <laughs> call us call us that's right the one thing i will say is we, we talked a little bit about timing my honest opinion, if you were planning on selling in 2018 and you wanted to do it at the start of the year, you should have started two weeks ago. So you're two weeks behind the eight ball, get to work. Get yourself a professional painter. Get yourself a drywall guy. Start decluttering. Start depersonalizing. Get your home ready to go on the market. Put those kids to work while they're Put home those kids, college. that's right. Get, get that get that free labor. There you go. Community events. Aaron, is there anything coming up we need to know about? We like to be out and about. What are we missing? There's a couple cool things that are happening right at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, New Year's resolutions are coming up. Fitness is always at the top of everyone's list. I know that. Except Kendra's. Except Kendra's. Uh, I, I know that I have a hard uh, deadline on my calendar to get to Bob's gym this week and sign up for a membership. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pay for an entire year up front because uh, I know that I want to get my fitness uh, back in line. 
Um, so one of the cool things that's coming up in the community is the Resolution Run. Um, it's actually three different races in one. You have an option to run it as a 5K, a 10K, or a 15K race. Uh, that is going to be on... I see two things wrong with this. January the 6th. January the 6th. It's and running. It's going to be cold. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a K after that number. Yeah, I ain't doing those, it. Those Ks are, those Ks are small. Five, 5K, 3.1, 10K, 6.2, 15K. You know, you're, you're getting a little the bit The only thing there. that could be worse for, this, for me is do it at night. Oh, dark, dark, cold, cold and, running. and no. running. No, they they at least get you into daylight. It starts at <laughs> eight a.m. at Wesselman's Park in Evansville, Indiana. So there will be sunshine. And and to to the defense of the race, it's January in Southern Indiana. It might be fifty five degrees. True, absolutely. <laughs> if it's below seventy four, I ain't going. Here's the thing, though. I I wouldn't say that I am a pillar of fitness. I would say that of the three of us, <laughs> I'm certainly the most active. I am the one that does spend the most time in a gym. Uh, based upon the conversations you've all heard, Kendra never goes in a gym. <laughs> and Aaron's going to start, you know, any day now. So, um, clearly... Bob's gym does get a donation from me every month. Do they? Yeah. You actually pay for a gym membership. That I don't use. Well, that is completely foolish. <laughs> Can I just use yours? Save the money? Ado- adopt him I as a child. I gotta adopt Aaron. Adopt him as a child. That being said, there is absolutely no chance I will be at this run, guys. I might come out there and take some pictures of the guys that want to run, whatever. I am not a runner. Um, I don't believe that there's any reason to run unless you're being chased by something big enough to eat you. So, I'm not running. You know, it's funny you should mention that you're not a runner and you should only run if something is chasing you because the next event's probably more up the alley of some more people who are out there who may subscribe to that same thought. What and is that it? is the Evansville Wing Festival. Uh, it is actually the first ever Wings Festival in Evansville, Indiana. That's going to be on January the 13th. Now, I'd like to clarify wings. Are we talking about flying or are we talking about some chicken wings? We talk about some chicken wings. Oh, yeah. No, I'm probably in on that. Yeah, yeah. What you can expect apparently is Tri-State's best wings. I think there's going to be several different vendors there with different kinds of wings, different sauces, different heats. I don't know if you're like me. I like it spicy. If I'm not sweating, it's not hot enough. That's right. So uh, it's going to be all kinds of different stuff that you can do. I think they're even having like a wing eating competition. Wow. Uh. I will not get involved in that. <laughs> um, but I, I certainly am down to go try some wings. We can sign Aaron up. No. Let's no. sign Aaron up. Yeah, let's do let's, that. Let's do that. Let's see if we hold off wait, that wait, New let's, Year's resolution. Let's make him run. Make him the, run. And then, and then gorge on some the gorge on some wings and then go back to Bob's. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do the run so I can burn enough calories to have some in the bank for the Evansville gotcha. Wing Festival. And then we can make something chase you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Aaron, do us a favor when we're done here. Make sure you throw all this up on our Facebook social media pages so people know about these upcoming events and where might someone find that Absolutely. information. You can find us at Facebook dot com slash indiana lifestyles podcast we're also on twitter at in underscore lifestyles and we're also on instagram at indiana lifestyles podcast so make sure you're following us we will have links to all this information provided by evansvilleevents.com we're really looking forward to the upcoming events and you can always go there in the coming year to find additional information about what's going on as well great well i hope everybody had a great christmas everybody's looking forward to a busy new year if there's nothing left guys we'll see you next time Happy New Year. Happy Happy New New Year. Year.